Getting married is such a humbling experience. <laughs> and today I'm reminded of that experience again. We give God praise. I want to sincerely honor a father, a patriarch, a custodian, and a watcher over the purposes of God and the gates of territories. Our dear pastor, Dr. Andy Osakwe. And our mama, Pastor Mrs. Ndidi Osakwe. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor. I mean, standing on this tall platform to share the word of God is indeed a privilege. Um, I can tell the level of prayer, labors, discipleship, excellence, training, capacity building that goes into raising an altar of this magnitude. And so I don't take it for granted to be here. When you see the people come to present the heart with which they do what they do speaks of high-level discipleship and that is spiritual labor. And so it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me, sir. I don't take it for granted. I honor all the elders that are here, the pastors. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here and I don't take it for granted. Let's lift our hands toward heaven so we don't eat into time so much. You know, time is a body. Can we say something to the Lord? Can we just honor the Lord? Can we just love the Lord? Spirits are moved by words. They are not emotional beings, as it were. That's why covenants are prosecuted by words. Intimacy is built by words. Words convey our heart postures. Words convey our value systems. Words convey our convictions. Can we just tell the Lord how much we love him? Can we honor him tonight? Can we reverence him? What an honor it is to stand in God's presence. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We honor you. We love you. We magnify your name. Hmm. Oh, precious Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you... Show us your face tonight. Rain upon us of your spirit. Cause every one of us to be transformed and to be transfigured. Bring us to that place where we not only make contact with you, but host you and reveal you to our world. Thank you, Father. We are persuaded you will do much more than we've asked. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Please, let's be seated. I want to attempt to teach tonight. That's why I'm trying to manage the tempo. But if I'm not able to, God will help us. Certain things are not taught cognitively. They are imparted as a body of spirit. And I'm sure my brother and friend Barista Okutekwa will not take me to court <laughs> to prove why I didn't teach. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we are looking at a very sensitive subject. Let me celebrate my wife. Don't mind me. I'm not used to it. I'm young in this thing. 
learning is in different corridors and the syllables are many. Praise God. She is a blessing. If I didn't meet her and if I've not been with her in the last two years, trust me, I will be standing here. The devil came for me to crush me completely. And God knew one who chased a thousand, but two, we put 10,000 to fly. The things that happened to me in the last two years should have buried me. But because of the strength of two, we are soaring from glory to glory. You know, one of the greatest mysteries on earth is the mystery of the Trinity. There's a realm where two, three can be one. That coupling, that complex coupling is, is in the studios of the immortals that they have furnished. Only immortal spirits have those understanding. Paul said it's a great mystery. He said the two shall become one. It's a great mystery. There's no scientific knowledge that can explain it. That in the realm of God, two different entities become one in essence. There's a power it unleashes. That kind of power cannot be matched. The reason the Trinity will always remain sovereign is because of that mystery. If you can't know how three is one, then you can never conquer them. It's a mystery. And a measure of it is a marriage where husband, wife, and the Holy Ghost become one. The home is actually is a model of heaven. The home is a model. When you come to an accurate home, you are walking in Zion. That's why the most reliable teaching institution, spiritual teaching institution, is the family. God depends on it so much because you model Trinity, you model glory. In fact, the man and the wife are teachers in the realm of the spirit. That's why he said the woman should be submissive because of the angels. Because there is something called authority that the angels have not mastered. There is a rebellious possibility among angelic beings. Princes have rebelled against God before. So when God wanted to teach them, and you'll find that in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, the nucleus of the church is the family. And he said, because of the wisdom that comes out of the family, the principalities will be taught the ways of God. And one of the things we teach as husband and wife is authority. So when he said the man is the head, it's not tyranny. It's to teach angels how authority can be handled. And when he said the woman should submit, it's not oppression. It's to teach angels how to walk under authority. So when man and wife combine, it's a complete syllabus of authority. Principalities learn from it. It's a school. It's a school. The home is many things. But since we are not talking marriage, let's come back to fullness. We began to look at this subject and I said there are few things on earth that truly matter. Flesh is a yoke. What God planned was for man in his presence to journey into transfiguration. And I'm going to talk about the presence in my last session. Because the glory of the presence is the fact that there's a technology in God's presence that engenders transfiguration. Because there are levels of migration in spiritual metamorphosis, spiritual transformation. It begins with mortification. Mortification is a technology 
that God introduced in life to subdue flesh and bring flesh under the government of God. And that's why he said in Romans 8 verse 2 that the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And if you go to verse 11, he said, what the law of the spirit of life does is that it mortifies the flesh. Because the flesh is rebellious. There are tendencies that are weaved into the flesh. Paul calls it my vile body. The moment man departed from God, the flesh was open to another kind of knowledge. And that knowledge teaches the flesh the way of rebellion. And so what life comes to do, principally, is to bring the flesh under government. And the way it does it is to mortify the flesh. But the second layer in glory transformation is renewal. And renewal is a technology that happens in light. So what light does is that it brings you before the crystals of God. And it begins to show you the patterns of heaven, the standards of God. And the more you see, the more you become. Because we all with open faces beholding as in the glass. The image of the Lord, we are metamorphosed. It's not something you choose to do. If you can see through the prism of light, there is something in light. There is an authority that light has that causes light to engender metamorphosis. It transforms your mind. You just discover you are becoming more like what you see. And we will explore that a bit tonight. But you see, the highest realm in spiritual transformation is transfiguration. Transfiguration is actual submerging of the whole man into God's realm. It's like a, a radiation kind of operation where your cells are re-edited and what makes God God is superimposed into you. That's why when a man is transfigured, he glows. Because in the realm of transfiguration, you are not improved upon. You become like God. Your skin will change, literally. You will glow. Because what you are now clothed with is the tabernacle of heaven. And Paul was teaching the technology of transfiguration in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, we have a tabernacle that is in heaven. Because it's in the presence you wear it. Because that one is a garment. He says, so we groan daily that we may be clothed. So there is a technology in the realm of the presence that makes you become like God. Because your age in the realm of God is not chronological, it's light. Age in the spirit is a function of glow. Because the oldest thing in the realm of God is light. The Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 16, it said God dwells in light that is unapproachable. So the first thing that comes out of God are rays of light. That's why God is clothed in light. And so when a man begins to join into transfiguration, what happens is that his garments are changed. And he puts on light. So when he comes out, he becomes like the angels. At that level, earth can't trap him anymore. That's the realm where you can move according to the speed of your thought. At that level, you don't, you don't travel by any agency, natural agency, when you think you are there because you have been glorified. It's a technology in God's presence. And we will grow in these technologies because, you know, the subject we are looking at is very deep. It's deep. These are the real things of life. The reason we pursue things is because we are falling. Because if we were not falling, things would not have been a concern. That's why before God created Adam, he created everything he needed. Because our adventure on the face of the earth is to search God. Is to seek God. Is to contact God. And to carry measures of him. So in the cool of the day, the Bible said the voice of God came walking in the garden. And when Adam contacts him, 
Adam becomes more like him. Because the occupation of humankind is to study God. Explore God until you become God in fullness. Because when time stops, the measure of God you carry will become your eternal state. And that is what will determine our, our grading in Zion. Our ranking in Zion. The extent to which you apprehended God in time. Because your occupation on earth is to touch God. Keep touching and exploring him. Become like him. So that when time stops, you will represent that layer of God. So when you want to study the age of God in the cycles of eternity, you will look at creation. When you see a man who has not fully transfigured, it shows you a level, a realm in God. But you see, when you enter the throne room and you meet the elders, they are exactly like him. That's why they know the secrets of heaven. They can pick into the mind of God. They can tell you the intentions of God. They can tell you why God does what he does. Because they've journeyed in light to a point where nothing is hid from them. In fact, one of the elders looked at John when he was weeping in heaven. And he said, behold, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. Those were governmental issues in the courts of Abba. Because when they were discussing the fate of humankind, man is falling. Should they be eternally doomed? And God was talking to God. And God concluded in the meeting of God that man will not be given up on. That man should be restored. Now that secret had not yet been known. Even a strong angel in heaven looked at John and said there is no hope for man. He said, I saw a book written from within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And he said, I looked upon it and there was no hope for humanity. And John was crying in heaven. Because at that point, even the heavenly host have not been told. But an elder walked up to him and said, forget, that one is in the past. <laughs> Where we go to in God, we have, that's no longer the challenge. The man is safe, don't worry, don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he had prevailed. I'm talking from higher corridors in light. So transformation and transfiguration is actually the greatest purpose of existence. That's why intimacy becomes a prized commodity in the spiritual realm. Every spirit will stop you from joining in intimacy because he knows when you commune with God, you become your eternal reality. And so when we are looking at the subject of the fullness, the idea behind the subject is first of all to contain God. But it's beyond containing God. After containing God, you now express God. So this subject is deeper than miracles. It's deeper than signs and wonders. It's deeper than prosperity. Because prosperity is one strand in God. Miracle is one strand in God. Signs and wonders is one strand in God. So when you look at Jesus' life, we said the glory of Jesus was not the fact that he raised the dead. The glory of Jesus was not the fact that he turned water to wine. The glory of Jesus was the fact that he was able to complete the cycle of fullness. Because if you study Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, it said he pleased the Father that the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him bodily. So Jesus contained the totality of the Godhead. But he didn't stop there. He was also able to manifest the fullness of God. Because in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, in fact from verse 1 to 3, he said, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, has in this last day spoken to us by his son. And he said something. He said, who being the brightness of his glory. The glory of God is the full essence of God. So Jesus was able to reflect the fullness of God. On the strength of that, the Bible went further to say, he upholds all things 
Because when you are able to walk in the fullness, you don't walk in miracles. You don't walk in signs and wonders. You don't walk in prosperity. You uphold all things. Because the power to uphold all things is trapped in the fullness. And so when you see a man who has mastered the journey of fullness, everything God represents and everything God does becomes his reality. He lives from there. If there is a need for miracles, he will walk it. If there's a need for prosperity, he produces it. If there's a need for wisdom, he produces it. The reason is because the fullness of the realities of God are not just in him. He can manifest it. But we say, this is not a wish. There are definite governments in the spirit that regulate it. When you start studying scripture, you will discover two things. Very important things. Life and existence. If you understand life and existence, then walking with God and in the fullness of God will become easy. Because life is not existence. There are two different things. If you ask a biologist, he can tell you a cell is a unit of life. Because it feels life is trapped in a cell. Meanwhile, you were existing before your cell was given to you. He said before you were formed in your mother's womb, before cell, you are talking from... <laughs> You know, sometimes when I read the scripture, I'm fascinated. That means science is standing on error. <laughs> they know that the whole, because medicine, everything is built from that basic foundational knowledge that you are a cell. And God is now saying, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before cell began to form, you existed. You are older than a cell. That means a cell gives you access to operate in a, in a realm but your reality is deeper than a cell that's why life is not in the blood when you check a man man is the only being in the physical realm that has three lives there is a life in his blood called bios there is a life in his soul called suche and there is a life in his spirit called zoe because he's older than time but <laughs> So, there's a difference between life and existence. Life in the realm of God is connectivity and immortality. That's what life is. In the realm of God, your connection with God and the fact that you are not corrupt. Because immortality is incorruptibility. So, anything that is vitally fused to God and anything that is not corrupt in the realm of the spirit is called life. Life is not breath in the spirit. Existence, on the other hand, is permission to exist in a realm. So you can be connected to God and you can be immortal, but you are not yet permitted to exist in a realm. So man or existence is the allowance to participate in a context, whereas life is connectivity and immortality. That is why death in the spirit is also not cessation of existence. Death in the spirit is separation and corruption. So when the word death is used in the spirit, it means you are disconnected from God. He said to the man, you will die. And the man lived for another 900 years. Because the truth is you cannot stop existing. Because you came from God. The raw material for your creation came from God. So there's no way you can stop. You will always be because you have always been. You came from within God. But when God says death, it means you will be but not with me. And because you are not with me, you will be mutilated. 
So death is separation and corruption. And because death is separation and corruption, life is connectivity and immortality. And that's why 2 Timothy 1.10 says, the gospel has brought to light life and immortality is to restore that which was lost. So what regulates life is a complex spiritual reality. And I'm saying this so that we will know how to press into God to manifest God. Because at salvation, every one of us has received God. In fact, John chapter 1 verse 16, he said of his fullness, have we all received grace heaped upon grace? But Jesus did not only contain God, Jesus manifested God. So the subject of the fullness is not about containing the subject of the fullness is about degree of manifestation. Because Paul said, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. But for you to be able to manifest God who is the author of life, you need to understand the laws that regulate life. Because if you don't know the laws that regulate life, you will not know how to manifest it. And then even in the context where you are living that gives you credibility for existence, also has a law that regulates it. In fact, there are three laws that govern existence. The first law that governs existence is the will of the Father. The second law that governs existence is the wisdom of the Father. The third law that governs existence is the power of the Father. You can be in God forever and ever, except by his authority. He said, now you go out. So what you call birth is not because a man met a woman. What you call birth is a sovereign decree from God. That's why I said you were not born by the will of the flesh. Because if God does not decree, that biological process can go on forever and ever, but no child will come out. That means existence begins when, by authority, the father says, you now, this unit in me, from time immemorial, is your time to go and experience this realm. And so by that decree, you now come out through a, a, a cell. And then you are walking here, you say you are a wise man. You now stand and say, there's no God. If there's God, why is this happening? You. You who, you who, you was, but you were not. Because you were in God. And you didn't know. In fact, when they sent you here, they suspended your mind. They wanted you to learn afresh. You now come here, you are challenging wisdom. So a man who has not connected and submitted to the authority of God. He's alive, but he's not existing. In fact, he will not strike a chord in eternity. That is what you call the book of life. The idea behind the book of life is those who walked under the government of existence. So God can check and say, okay, this one walked under my government by my wisdom and fulfilled my will. On the strength of that, he can come into me forever and ever. But there are many people who were authorized to come into this realm but they cut off from the will of God. The Bible said concerning David that after he served the will of God, he rested. So the summary of David's existence was called the will of God. So it takes the authority of God, the wisdom of God, and the will of God for you to say you are in existence. But you see, when it has to do with life, it's a bit more intrinsic. It's a bit more personal. The laws that govern life are different. There are three laws that govern life. The same way there are three laws that govern existence. The law that govern life is number one, energy. Everybody who is alive emits energy. What you call laughter is energy. What you call anger is energy. Everything you see can be calculated into energy. In fact, there are complex scientific research going on now for, 
to, to mutilate man through genetic engineering. And what they are trying to do is to manipulate energy. They can manipulate people's energy and that energy can rule over them. So, at least in elementary chemistry, we know what they call laughing gas. If they release laughing gas and you enter the lab, even if they knocked you before you enter the lab, <laughs> you will laugh. You can't help yourself. Even if they are flogging you, you will be laughing. Because when you can manipulate the energy. Life is ruled by energy. As we are sitting now, God's servant can say come. That come means come in English, one thing. But in the language of energy, it means many things. If he says come, that come can mean I'm impressed with you. He can also say come. And that come can mean I'm angry with you. He can also say come. And that come can mean you are in trouble. And he can say come. And that come means wrong. Because why, why English is one, energy means many things. So if you are wise, when he says come, you will read his continents. <laughs> if the come means run quickly, you are in trouble. When he says come, say thank you and you will take up. Because he's saving energy is talking from a deeper realm than cognitive words. That's why you can call somebody's name. It's an insult. You can call somebody's name. It's respect. You can call somebody's name. It's praise. Because you talk from cognitive realm one way. But in energy terms, many ways. Because life is regulated by energy. And everything we call human relationship are energies distributed through different tributaries. The second law that governs life is consciousness. If a man loses consciousness, everything about his operation stops. Prayer, fasting, eating, singing, dancing stops. In fact, if a man is in coma, even the doctor will just manage him until he comes back to life. Because if consciousness is withdrawn, life stops. And the third law that governs life is light. Everything you do is a function of the light that is available to you. Have you seen people who are acting very foolish? But because of the light, the light they have is darkness. They think what they are doing is very wise. But you now look at them and you are ashamed on their behalf. And even though you are ashamed, they don't even notice. Acting in gross folly but because he doesn't have light he doesn't know that what he's doing is stupidity and then he will be expecting commendation when you now try to correct him you'll be offended the problem is he doesn't have light that's the kind of people Jesus said if the light in you in dark is darkness then that darkness is really really great because it will kill you <laughs> so <laughs> Let's worship a bit. <laughs> you see, because life is regulated by energy, by consciousness, and by light, the language of life is not cognitive. The communications of life are in form of impressions. They are in form of knowings. They are in form of inspirations. And they are in form of promptings. And God designed this because he wants to have a personal and sacred relationship with you. A relationship that even though your husband, you and your wife are one, 
it will be deeper than a corporate realm. That you can have a relationship with God that your wife will not know. So sometimes you are lying on the bed and God is talking to you at a high frequency. But your wife is not aware what is happening. And sometimes God can be talking to your wife at a high frequency and you will not know what is happening. Two days ago we, we woke up and my wife said, Kai, she saw something that looked like a trance and it looks as if a sharp object pierced our son. We now held hands and prayed quickly. You will assume that I am the apostle. I should pick those frequencies. Life is personal. The person who is connected at that time is the one who transmits. Apostle can come with a title, but he can't pick the impression. The one who is connected is the one life is talking to. As we prayed that evening, some gold designs that they did on the bed now fell. But because we prayed, they carried my son from the bed before it fell. Now, if she didn't pick that impression, that one you don't read it in a book. It's, it's impression. Now, if you are growing in life, you will now discover that impressions will become stronger. Promptings will become stronger. Knowings will be so strong that you will believe it more than what they are saying on the news. They can tell you that something is about to go wrong in a business, but you have a prompting to invest now. That time that they are saying something is about to go wrong, all the analysts sat down and said, it is true. That's when you invested. And at the end of the day, only you will profit out of 10 million people. They will not know the book you read. If they come, even you can't explain it. The thing is that you are connected to something in the spirit. It's called life. And so when people want to manifest God in his fullness, they need to come back to the government of life. He said the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. That means every disadvantage that this world and death brings to you, the way to escape out of it is to align to the dictates of life, which comes in form of promptings. It's on the strength of those dictates that sons are born. Because you are not a son, because you are male. In the spirit, a son is not a male. In the spirit, a son is one who has the image of the father. And in the spirit, a son is one who is led by the spirit. You see, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And he said, we are created in his image and in his likeness. He said, Christ bore his image. So, imaging and yieldedness is what produces sonship. And that is not something you learn from a Bible school. You learn it from the college of life. Through promptings and inspiration. But you see, for you to come to that point where life can become your teacher, you must come under the government of life first. And so the way life will route it is that the easy way to get your attention is to bring government over you. And because he knows you will not pay enough attention to pick those signals, he will wait until somebody offends you and you want to fight. And life will say no. Your hand will be like this. Your, your reputation is at stake. If you don't strike this person, he will not know you. And next time he will misbehave. But if you want to, life say no. If you know that you are joining into fullness, you will keep that hand down. You will be hot. But at the end of the day, that hand you dropped will now open a vent. That vent is the channel through which promptings will begin to grow. Somebody said something, you looked at the person, you know what you will say, and he won't sleep for three days. As you want to speak, your mouth will become heavy. Life will just come at the nick of time. 
He said, don't say it. Don't, you know, it's personal. You can go to a Bible school, but you will not know life. He will hold you there and... Mm, 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 mm. Sometimes, when you know that you are in a school, you will, you will sing a lot of songs. When it happens like that, you just... Mm, 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 you are looking for ventilation because you are about to explode, but you are under a government. That government is what produces song. That's why from Romans 8.2, you go to Romans 8.19. He said, the earnest expectation of creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. That thing is an energy in the realm of God. It's powerful. The word is called elutero. That's what you call the law of life has set me free. That word set me free is called elutero. And that is what confers power on you to become a representation of God on the earth. Many people quote scripture. Many people attend church. They are leaders in church. But they are not under the government of life. So they can't pick impressions. They can't pick promptings. They can't pick signals. They cannot pick all of the motions of life. And so they are in church. But they are weak in the spirit. You want to manifest God. Life will teach you. Because life in itself is God. Please sit down. Thank you so much. This is a recap. Let me start my teaching tonight. Uh, you know when these realities begins to dominate you the next thing it will do is that it will begin to draw you to the environment where it is strong because it's like a wooing technology you know the bible was teaching in second peter chapter one from verse three to four is it according as his divine power had given us all things that pertained to life and godliness. And he said, it is through the epignosis. This is experience. This is not what you read in the book. Through the epignosis of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And he said, according to that same power, he said he has separated us from the corruption that is in this world. But the way he did it is that he made us to become participators of the divine life. And so when life begins to teach you two promptings, what it will do is that it will begin to draw you. It will begin to woo you. So from promptings, you will now find something called hunger. When you are beginning to journey into hunger, you will now discover that the authority of life over you will become stronger. A man who doesn't know this organic dynamics is not in the spirit. He can be called any name. A prophet or an apostle or a pastor or an elder. It doesn't matter. Because what truly confers spiritual authority on you is the degree to which you come under these things. And so as you move from promptings, knowings and impressions, you will come under hunger. And what hunger does is that hunger makes you a prisoner. So when a man begins to grow in the things of the spirit, he will discover that he grows from a child. He becomes a son. Then he becomes a servant. A servant, not to the devil. A servant to the government of God. That's why Paul began writing. He called himself an apostle. And a teacher. Because it was about intelligence and excellence. He knew secrets that nobody knew. He excelled 
above all his peers. But the more he journeyed with God, he discovered that his path became narrow. His path became narrow until he said he's a prisoner of Christ. In fact, when he was going to Jerusalem, a prophet walked up to him who was still operating at the realm of gifts, carried his garment and said, the person who holds this will be bound in Jerusalem. And Paul looked at him. He said, I go to Jerusalem bound in the spirit. Where I am now, I'm dictated for. I don't do what I can do. I do what is dictated for me. I'm now a slave. I'm a slave of another spirit. And the reason is because he wanted to apprehend the way he was apprehended. The reason is because he wanted to conform, be made conformable. That's why he said he partook of the sufferings of Christ. Because he knew that there is a realm of transfiguration that you cannot enter by reading a book. There's a realm of transfiguration you enter when you participate in the fellowship of his suffering. The more you participate and you become a slave, your will is subjugated, the more the glory oozes out of you like a river. That was where Jesus got to at Gethsemane. And he said, Father, not my will, but thine. I know what you gave to every mortar is will. But when you go higher under the government of hunger, you will discover only the will of God counts. And when you can surrender the will of God, then the glory can begin to flow through you. It's a realm in life. And so you journey from promptings and knowings. Then you come under hunger. Hunger will enslave you. It is natural with men to, to be ruled by their appetites. But the question is, what kind of appetite do you have? Because every one of us is a slave of our appetite. But there are men who hunger and thirst for God. You see, as the deer panted after the waters, so my soul longeth for you in a dry and in a thirsty land where no water is to see thy glory as I saw it in the sanctuaries. That's a man walking on a different corridor. At that level, your life becomes narrow. When Jesus was talking about the narrow way, it's not to lock yourself in the door, in a room. It's actually to be dictated for by a, a civilization that is deep on your inside. You can't explain it, but you can't do without it. A time comes where you have other opportunities. But like a pregnant woman, you don't have all those luxuries anymore. You know, a pregnant woman doesn't, it's not moved by Olympics. The weight is much, the body is heavy. If you say there's Olympics, it's, mm, mm, there's a body here, there's a body. You say, ah, oh, if you taste this soup, even what she eats is, is regulated. Because there's something happening on her inside. There's no way a husband can love her to bear what she's bearing. It's so deep that only her knows. A life is forming. It's forming. And sometimes that life will kick her from inside. <laughs> my wife used to tell me, my boy is kicking. I said, kicking how? <laughs> how can somebody who is trapped inside your womb be kicking? I didn't know what she was saying. Until what? The boy was eight months. He said, come and see. I will see somebody's hand like this. <laughs> that man there. So it we it we sometimes she will want to move and then the life will turn and she will stand there. She's a slave. She has become a slave of a of a civilization deep in her that nothing can find and nothing can corrupt. The more that realm tames you, the more the glory comes out of you. The more that realm subdues you, 
the more the glory comes out of you. Because right now, eternity is already locked in your heart. But how much of it can we see? And so hunger will tame you. That hunger is what will cut you off secular music. You ask some Christian, they say what is wrong in hearing secular music? Nothing is wrong. But as I talk about light, you will know that they, they are blinders. They will darken your understanding. Because they will, they will, they will cause miscarriage, spiritual miscarriage. What God was doing in you, they will abort it. And you will discover your life is in cycles. You will move and turn and come back from where you started and start all over again. And when Jesus comes, you will be an infant in the spirit. God designed it this way so nobody can deny. You can't say you didn't know because it's deep in your soul. You can't deny it. It's so personal that you know. In fact, when you come to judgment, you will judge yourself. Did you not read? Isaiah said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and his strength filled the temple and suddenly he said, woe unto me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among unclean people. When you see that light, you can't deny it. Because God will have too many witnesses intrinsic for you to be able to deny. And so when life wants to bring you deeper, it afflicts you with hunger. And when you enter into the frequency of hunger, hunger is what now escorts you to light. And so when you come into light, the second syllable is activated. So it's a journey from life into light. Life mortifies. And life pulls you to where God can teach you. But when you come into light, a new syllable is activated. At that point, God will now have you apply your faith to grow. So you will consciously begin to dig into reality for yourself. Because if it is only intrinsic, although powerful, but it can be productive. A man may understand what it takes to live holy in a corrupt world because there's something inside of him that binds him. But he will not be able to teach others how to live holy. Because what is happening to him is personal. So when God wants you to be more productive, what God does is that he brings you to light so that you are taught what is happening on your inside. Because what is happening on your inside is too ancient that you yourself may not be able to explain it. You can't tell why you came back from work tired and you should sleep. But at night, your lips are moving. Malakas, Sevakaila, Berakido, Baraga, Zazina Tanta, Kiato, Borakida Ba. You can't tell how every day, 5 a.m. on the dot, you wake up without alarm. No alarm, but you can't miss it by a minute. You wake up today, you check 5 on the dot. Wake up tomorrow, check 5 on the dot. Wake up next tomorrow, check 5 on the dot. What is happening? There is an ancient technology at work on your inside. And so if you want to disciple people, you need to teach them how to come there. Because that thing happening to you, you don't know how it started. It's, a, it's, a, it's an engine on your inside. So if God wants you to be productive, God will have to take you beyond life into light. It is in light that tools and equippings are given to you. Ah, hey. You see, many Christians don't pay attention to these things. They don't know that the world on their inside is bigger than the world on the outside. You are living in two civilizations. The external civilization is a distraction. 
your reward is on your inside. And that world will need to teach you and train you so that you can have a place in the world to come. Because there's another world that will be born out of that world that is on your inside. And so what God wants you to do is to be educated by the world inside so you can dominate the world outside. The idea is for you to colonize the external world by the inner world. But unfortunately, we are taught by the external world that we should colonize. And you can't colonize the territory that disciples you. That's why many times when God wants to raise witnesses and overcomers, he separates them from the civilization. He said John was in the wilderness until the day of his showing forth. Because if the Pharisees teach him priesthood, he will learn politics in addition. According to the ordinances of Zion, there's only one high priest. But politics made them to have two high priests. So that kind of corrupt age can't teach them. And so what God will do is that he will censor everything around you and make your world externally to become small so that the one inside can be big. When it becomes big, you will learn things. And those things you will learn will make you become a discipler of a world full of iniquity. But there are many Christians that their life is external. All over the place. But they have no root in the spirit. And so they can't draw the waters of life. When they should represent God, they are mimicking another person they call a star in the world. And we are the ones who make worldly things trend. Because they teach us much more than they teach us in light. Now when you come into light, there are three things you'll be introduced to amongst others. And I narrowed it to three because there are specific things that you'll be taught. You know, I was teaching them in church on Sunday and I told them there are four cadres of knowledge. The first cadre of knowledge is called Gnosis. Gnosis is mental knowledge. So your study of physics, chemistry, philosophy can help you put one or two things together, make analysis on the strength of your mind. But that's the lowest realm of knowledge. If you operate there, a demon can master you. And you will know so much. You can be a professor of neurosurgery. But a 10-year-old witch can smuggle into your house and without discernment, in the night you will wake up, face the, the, the east and chant, say it okay, say it okay, say it okay. You will now wake up in the morning, you will notice there is Paralysis. You will go and read all your books, but she put a pin, an office pin. She put an office pin there. And she will defy your knowledge of neurosurgery. There will be a consultant that is dying. And even you will say, what is happening? A point will come, you say, I don't understand. You know, in medicine now, they have agreed and there's something they call idiopathic medicine. They know that some things don't have a cause. Because, because they... The whole syllabus is in the realm of gnosis. It's mental. And if one spirit shows up, he can defy a million professors. Because they are reading and studying knowledge from different dispensations. And the spirit realm is superior to the natural. So the least in the spirit is superior to the highest in the natural. Because of the age of the realm. And so when you move from gnosis, you come to what we call idol. Idol is an awareness that the Holy Ghost quickens into your soul. 
There's no way you can idol. Idol means become aware. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible said, concerning the things that we have received from God. He said, that's how that knowledge works. He said, now we have not received the spirit that is of this world, but we have received the spirit that is of God that we may know. That word know, that we may become aware of the things that are freely given to us by God. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he said, whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creature. He said, all things are passed away, but that person may never know. He may never know that he's a new creature. He may never know that all things are passed away. He said, until behold takes place. The word behold is the word idol. It's the Holy Ghost that brings that kind of knowledge. It's called strategic knowledge. That strategic knowledge is superior to chronological knowledge. A lady was sharing a testimony with me this morning. After making some decrees on Sunday, I didn't know I said, that visa has been released. And I mentioned Canada. I didn't even know. And the husband caught the word. She didn't even hear it. When she went to the office on Monday, the Holy Ghost now told her, you will receive your visa this week. She, has, she applied one year ago. You know, there's no calculation that you can put together to know that an application of one year will come this week. The precision is too much. But I do happen. I do. She just became aware. That kind of oppression is the Holy Ghost that quickens it. There are technologies in light. And then when you move from becoming aware, you come into epignosis. Epignosis is experience. Now you are not just aware, you participate. That epignosis is what engenders transformation. And then when you move from epignosis, you come into ginosko. Ginosko is not just participation. It's participation that produces offspring. Epignosis is participation, but it's barren. Ginosko is participation that produces offspring. They are different realms, but all of these things are in the realm of light. So when God wants to engender fullness, what he does is that he brings you into light so that you grow in this knowledge. You begin to grow, and as you grow, the proof that you now know is not many information, it's freedom. He said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So a man who knows is not a man with information, it's a man with liberty. You will know something, and sin will break. You will know something and fear will break. You will know something and poverty will break. You will know something and sickness will break. And when people look at you, why are you living as if you are invincible? It's because I know I'm walking from light. When others are sick, knowing will just come to you and say, don't take too much sugar. Knowing can come to you and they say, when you are eating, don't eat much salt. Even you, you don't, but that, that is a technology to shield you. And then they suddenly say, people are dying, and you can't die. And they are wondering what is happening. Those invincible manifestations are a proof that you are now handling something that the ordinary man doesn't know. But it happens in light. And so when God wants to bring you to that level of superior understanding, to manifest God in riches and fullness, what he does is that he draws you into light and he exposes you to different technologies. And the first technology that God will bring you into in light is meditation. Find anybody who is manifesting God effortlessly. He is a master in meditation and contemplation. Now, meditation and contemplation is not remembrance. Contemplation 
is the ability to see the picture of reality. So what the Holy Ghost does is that the things you heard and the things you studied, he begins to play it to you like a movie. And because he's playing it to you, that realm now becomes more real to you than the external realm. And then as God is showing it to you, the Holy Ghost will begin to prompt you to talk it. Talk it. So you find men who manifest God, they are not just seeing things, they are talking things. And so while others are cast down, the guy is seeing himself growing progressively. And so instead of imagining fear, he has already seen himself too much excelling that he cannot but talk excellence. And then you are wondering, are you, are you psyching yourself? I'm not psyching myself. Something else is too real to me. That's what you call madness in the negative supernatural. A madman doesn't know what you are talking about because another realm is too real to him. And so he's talking another language, playing and doing things. And you are looking at him, you say, ah, he's mad. He's not mad. He's conscious of another realm. So the picture of meditation and contemplation is actually a madman. While you are cold in the morning, trying to be well clothed, the guy is jogging by 5 a.m. Having fun. And you are wondering, what is going on here? In the world where he is, that time they are in Olympics. <laughs> you say you are going to church. The guy is in a sporting festival. There are many persons. He's interacting and he's singing a song. And you say, oh, he's mad. You look at him, you say he's naked. He don't even know, he didn't notice he's naked. As far as he's concerned, the clothes those people are wearing, he has worn his own. You are the one who is conscious of this realm. And you are saying he's naked. And so what God does in light is that when he draws you into light, the scriptures come alive. And so as you read them, they become pictures to you. And so you are going through difficulty. And why you should be stranded? Suddenly you hear yourself, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they protect me. Thou prepareth a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Yea, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Ah, it's a technology in light. That's how we manifest fullness. Men can't go up against you. They think they have destroyed you. They think they have destroyed you. And suddenly you wake up in the morning and you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. They say, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Even our faith. And then you stand up in the morning, you say, oh, he said, all men gang up against me. And they said, there's no hope for me. But thou, O oh Lord, you are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of my head. It doesn't matter what they do. They are the things you are seeing. You are not talking to be happy. That's your word. They told you, you are finished. Tomorrow is when they gave you as your last. And then as you stand up, you say, though the enemy may come in. He said, but as a flood, the spirit of God lifted up a standard against them. Oh, I will not be moved.
It's only babies that go to trouble God with their problems. See, when people pray, you know where their maturity level is. A man who is in light, he's too, he's too overwhelmed by what he's seeing to be conscious of his problem. You saw him in depth. You say he's finished. Meanwhile, that man just saw himself drive, ride, entering his own private jet. You saw the man, you said his business is about to crumble. But as you are talking to him, because he's seen through light, he has already seen tomorrow. And what he saw tomorrow does not look like what he's seen today. How can that man be defeated? And so when you think he should be destroyed, that's when he's celebrating. Did you not read about Abraham? Point potent. Sarah's wife, a womb, brother, dead. But the Bible said, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving thanks to God. How do you give thanks when you are 99 years old, impotent, and your wife is buried? Because God helped him to see his sons like the stars. And so Abraham was seeing a multitude. He was seeing nations. And so one child could not take sleep out of his eyes. One child could not take praise out of his mouth. How can a man who has seen nations as his own children be crying over his son? We are not seen correctly. And the reason is because we didn't journey in life to come into meditation and contemplation. See, the elders of old, this was their lifestyle. When you hear in scripture that a man sat, it's not sitting. A sitting posture in the spirit is meditation. And the Bible said in Genesis chapter 18 verse 1, that Abraham sat at the gate of Mamre. It was gatekeeping service. And he said he saw three men walking. How did he know that that was God? Because he was seen from a superior dimension. So long as he sat in meditation, even if God disguised himself, he could discern God. You say you can discern God. Oh, Heavenly Father, you can hide yourself from all men, not me. Because there are certain men, they've searched God in the spirit until even if God is in the dark, they will find him. Did you not read about Moses? In Exodus 20, 21, he said, Moses stepped into the deep darkness where God was. So God can no longer hide from these ones. They've searched him. They've, they know light. They've studied the technology of light for anything to be hid from their eyes. Did you read about Daniel? The king had a dream. He said, tell me the interpretation. He said, there's a God that reveals a secret. Among men, it can be a secret, but there's a realm of perpetual continuum. Give me time. I know the doorway to that realm. And the point came. Daniel mastered it so much. And the Bible said, when a hand came and wrote, and nobody could interpret it, the hidden queen came to give a testimonial for Daniel. It wasn't a pastor. If a pastor is introducing a fellow pastor, by reason of honor and courtesy, he can say certain things. But when a hidden queen is reading the credential of a man, know that she's talking reality. And in Daniel 5, 11, he said, there's a man in thy kingdom. In whom is the spirit of the Holy Ghost. He said light and understanding is in this man. He has the ability to explain hard sentences. Send for him. Let him come. And when they brought Daniel. He, went, he entered like a cherubim. He looked at the writing. That all the wise men could not read. And before he interpreted it. He brought judgment to the king. Because that writing was a seal of judgment. From immortal realms. And he said God gave your father a kingdom. That extended to all the earth. Honor and glory and power and majesty. 
He said, but you decided to worship the God of iron and the God of stone. And you went to defy the chalice of God. He said, therefore, is this hand come? Mene, mene. Take care of sin. He didn't just read it. He interpreted it. He said, your kingdom. You said you have been weighed in the balances. So while that king was celebrating, in the realm where it matters, they were weighing him. He didn't know that celebration was an act of foolishness where immortals dwelt. He said that thing you call the ceremony was your last weighing service. They were weighing your weight in the spirit and you were light. You don't have the right to rule this kingdom. He said tonight your kingdom shall be divided among the Medes and the Persia. How can the strongest kingdom on earth be brought down in one night? A man of light was talking. You can't manifest the fullness until you dwell in light. But how can you dwell in light? We are the issues of this life. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires overwhelm you. And so men are running up and down pursuing things that should be added to them. Seek here first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All other things. He didn't have any exception. He said they shall be added. But men are seeking things. And the more they seek things, the more they fall from their thrones. Adam, that should rule over the earth, was seeking apples. Was seeking wisdom in darkness. And when God showed up, he said, Adam, Adam, where are thou? Because he had fallen from the throne. That's why he said they know not. Neither will they understand. He said they walk on in darkness. I have said, ye are gods. Because you are the children of the Most High. He said, but you shall fall like the princes. Because when we pursue things and not the secrets of the kingdom, we fall from the realm of light. And when we fall, we become slaves. Things rule over us. Demons rule over us. Men rule over us. In this conference of the fullness, there shall be a baptism of light. Most of you, that have left your throne desolate. You will ascend in the course of this conference. And you will see life from another plane. Because there is a glory upon you. There is a power upon you. There is a dimension that only you should represent among humankind. But you cannot until you are enthroned in light. And Ojo do dabu eno Ohiminiye Akota kigitiye Ene do dabu eno Ojo do dabu eno Ohiminiye Akota kigitiye When you wake up in the morning wake up with scripture when you are going to bed, go to bed with scripture. When you are entering your office, enter with scripture. You will discover you become invincible. Before they gang up against you, you will know what they are planning. Before they mutilate you, you will know what they are planning. He said when you are in the wrong way, you shall hear a voice behind you saying, Turn. That is not the way to go. That's why he said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. It's a man walking in light. How can we take over this world? If we are functioning by manipulated information. Information censored and broadcasted through news. Corrupt information.
how can we walk by those information and we walk through this life there is a syllable in light and everyone is invited Paul was speaking to Timothy he said until I come he said give attendance to reading to exhortation and to doctrine he said give thyself wholly to these things that thy profiting may be made manifest to all what makes your profiting to become manifest is by giving yourself wholly to this thing let this book of the law not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night to see that you do what is written therein. Then you shall make thy way prosperous and have good success. There is a code. The extent of the word you carry is the extent of the fullness that you can manifest. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from thy heart. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. He said they are life to them that find them. You find it. You find it. And the way you find it is to sit on it. Look upon it. Meditate on it until it comes alive in your spirit. He said man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Ah, if half of us catch light, our world will change. But we are falling like the princes. Men are groping in darkness. Waiting for the next news. To make a headway in life. It ought not to be so. You know when you walk out. When you come into your office. There should be a light you are standing on. When you enter that business. There should be a light you are standing on. When you started that family. There should be a light you are standing on. That's what makes you invincible. That's what puts the signature of God. On everything that concerns you. But you cannot journey that far until you begin to eat the word. In Jeremiah 15, 16, he said, I found thy word and I did eat them and they became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. He said to Abraham, lift up thy eyes. He said, as far as your eyes can see, I've given to you. Men are seeing fear. They are seeing corruption. They are seeing iniquity and they want to manifest God. No, you have to see something different. And that thing you see is the reality that is locked in the word of God. And so the gateway to light is meditation and contemplation. Through that word every morning. Say give thyself to reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. You will be amazed the way your life will explode. The way your business will explode. Because you will begin to operate by superior wisdom. You will begin to operate beyond where human intelligence talks. Because these things are hid for us. He said they are hid for our glory. But we can't search it. Please sit down. I still have a few minutes. And I do double and oh, oh, do double and oh, oh, he mean, yeah. When you find carriers of the fullness, 
Oh, they wake up every day. They are searching. They are looking for truth. They are looking for secrets. He said, buy the truth. Sell it not. They are flipping. They are flipping. When it's not coming forth, they are speaking in tongues and reading. You can find that hunger, that ferociousness, eating the word vociferously as if they will never be satisfied. What they are looking for are not scriptures to preach. They are secrets. They are excavating. They are like archaeologists because they know the scripture is a well. They know the scripture is a fountain. The Bible said all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of man. And so when they go into the scripture, they are searching for light. And as they are reading and meditating, suddenly a ray will just pass like radiation. And they will catch it. And the moment they catch that ray, my God, they become invincible. It could be in the area of their health. And as you are searching, suddenly you hear, because I live you shall see tomorrow. Because I live, you shall live also. It doesn't matter whether it is cancer. The expiring date has come. And then sometimes you are searching. You are searching. And you say you are 38 years old. You are 40 years old. You are not yet married. And suddenly a ray passes. And then you hear. It says, none shall desire her mate. My God, none shall desire her mate. And then you catch that word. From that word, five husbands will come. Makeup will not bring a husband. Makeup can even suggest you to be a harlot. Your husband is locked in the scripture. Unlock it. And you'll be shocked. The respect and honor with which that man will treat you. We don't know our advantages. Ah! The greatest mind in the world is not in South Africa. It's in the scripture. When you excavate it, when you excavate it, you'll be shocked what your life will become. I was in Ghana last week and I met a man. My God. There are two persons only I've met that I can say are that excellent. Pastor Chris Uyakilome and Dr. Andy Osakwe. And I'm not flattering him. Come on, look around. In seven years, his name is Prophet Nanase Opokusakodie. He built a city in seven years. In that environment, only they have four auditoriums. The last one we use is a 20,000 seat auditorium. The lights alone will blind you. When you are walking on the rock, it feels as if you are walking in heaven. How did you download this? That means eight years ago, he carried that city on his inside. You will look at him eight years ago and call him a man. You are wrong. He's a system. He's not a man. But he's a function of light. 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 So much authority, excellence and ease because somebody has light. When the year begins, he leaves the church for 40 days. His assistant pastor is preaching. They are doing their apprenticeship. You will think church will die. 40 years, he's, he's in the cave somewhere praying. Wow, wow, wow. When he comes back, church will move by 10 years. What he does in one year is equivalent to 10 years. What his contemporaries do. But that is the light he caught. 
When I went, they were on 70 days fast. And they've run vigil every Friday for 20 years. He was running it as an individual. Started church. The whole church is running it every Friday. It's called light. Now, if you copy that, you will die. But when he journeyed into that corridor, that's what they dictated to him. And so long as he does that, he is bigger than a president. And every one of us seated here today, we are all systems. It doesn't matter whether you have money or you don't have money. What you carry is bigger than money. The problem is, can it manifest? He said, kings will come to thy light. He said, the Gentiles will come to thy light. He said, kings will come to the brightness of thy rising. That means your outcome is at the mercy of the light you carry. Ah, my God. We are about to change realms. As I was walking now, one of the angels that ministered with me began to hover here. Ah, my God. It's about to stir hunger. I'm, 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 I, I saw something sprinkled like, like fire. Sprinkling, sprinkling like fire. And so I know somebody is about to be caught up. Ah! If we have ushers here, this is the time. Because I'm about to connect with him now. Oh! Holy Ghost! Wherever they are, you have shown it. And so we give permission on earth. Every one of them you are setting on fire now. To bring them and usher them into realms superior to the mind. Now, come alive in the spirit. represents different things in the spirit. There are many persons here that their glory has been hovering but they don't have momentum to ascend into it. And so what they are coming to do is to put energy in their spirit. Energy and momentum. And so wherever these ones are that the glory cloud has been moving over them but they need energy and momentum. I stretch hands now over you by the spirit and I decree take that fire now. Take that fire. Ushers, help them quickly. I'm hearing something like a trumpet in the spirit. And so someone is about to be announced. When men rise, they are product of announcements in the spirit. Ushers, please help them. Somebody is about to be announced in the spirit. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm upon his holy mountain. The army is about to rise. And so father, now, now, now. We sound the shofar. We sound the shofar. We sound the shofar. We sound the shofar. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Please sit down for a moment. We must utilize this time. There are still two caps on light. I just spoke about meditation and contemplation. Oh, my God. My God. I'm seeing a strong spirit of intercession descend on people around here. Don't worry, just sit down. It's a strong wave of intercession. Altars are being restored. Now I release a quickening. I release a quickening. I release a quickening. I release a quickening. Take that fire. Take will be escorted home by angels. You will know that the game has changed. The frequency has changed. And it will not just he will not just follow you home. He will follow you to your office. He will follow you to your business. And while men are thinking, you will know what to do. Thank you, Father. The second way to access light is by prayer. In Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 15, he said, brethren, when I heard of your faith, he said, I cease not to pray for you that God may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The way you come into spiritual knowledge is by prayer. The word, see, there are four words there. You know, English is limited. Sometimes when you want to appreciate truth and the wealth of truth, you need to study it in another language. Paul said, I pray that God may give you Sophia. That is superior understanding and apocalypsis. That is opening and unveiling. That you may come into epignosis. That is experiential knowledge. And he said that your eyes of understanding, the word enlightened is fortizo. That light may be shed on you. He said when these four things happen, he said number one, you will know the hope of your calling. Do you know the hope of the calling? When you were called, you were called as a joint heir with Christ. You were not called to receive from Christ. You were called to co-inherit with Christ. You were called to share with Christ. You were called to participate with Christ so that all things become yours. That's what John knew when he said, as he is, so are we in this world. And so anything Christ doesn't own and anything that Christ isn't, you are not. But everything Christ has and everything Christ is, that's who you are. Can you imagine that wealth? That's why Paul went further to say that you may know the riches of the glory of the saints in light. There is a wealth in light. You are not, you are not a beggar. You are not defeated. You are more than a conqueror. Anything you do, you prosper. Did you not read? It said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor is seated in the seat of the scornful. He said his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law doth he meditate day and night. He said it's like the tree 
planted by the rivers of living waters. He said its leaf does not wither and it produces its fruit in its season. I decree over somebody, you will produce your fruit in your season. You will never know luck. Paul called it the exceeding riches. Now that riches cannot be quantified. Gather all the banks in the world. They can't quantify it. That's why he called it exceeding riches. And he didn't stop there. He said, and the greatness of his power toward us. And in case we don't know the measure of that power, he said it's the same power that rose Christ from the dead. What that goes to mean is that there is no such thing as it's too late for you. There's no such thing as giving up for you. Because even if it has died, he said that power is a resurrection power. I decree over somebody here, everything you've lost is restored. Every dimension of God that is dead in you, they come alive now. They come alive now. My God, there's an anointing coming on three persons. By the Holy Ghost, they come alive now. Receive that fire. Receive that fire. There's an anointing. Receive that fire. Listen. Listen. That's why I told you only babes ask God for things. Jesus was speaking. He said, as touching your challenges, it's already settled. He said, when you see a mountain, say to that mountain, be thou removed. And if you do not doubt, you shall have whatsoever you say. So when we are praying, we are not praying, asking God for things. When we are praying, we are discovering things in the spirit. Prayer is like spiritual archaeology. What you find is yours. And so we are not coming, Lord, bless me. Lord, give me bread. I am the blessed of the Lord. So I've come into my inheritance to search what is available. We are seekers. We are searching. There is an investment. There is an inheritance. There is a wealth. And so when we pray, we enter those corridors and we are searching and we find life. We find glory. We find honor. We find power. And so when we come out, we wear it. That's how we conquer. When we are praying, we are exploring God. It's called intimacy. We are pouring into him as he's pouring into us. These are technologies superior to what God gives. For God did the exceeding riches. Listen, somebody here, you are into business. You have been seeking connection. But because you have come into light from this conference, as you are walking, the door of wisdom will open to you. And you will begin to know thousands of ways of doing what you are doing that no other person knows. And on the strength of that wisdom, you will become a ruler among men. Because I see men receive badges as captains in the spirit. You may not look like it, but light comes to you tonight. It's only in Africa that we think it takes age to be great. No. It takes superior wisdom.
to be great. And that wisdom and light is what somebody is coming into. I prayed for a young man and suddenly he designed an app. In, two, in a month or so, his fortunes changed overnight. He began to speak in millions because light has come. I decree over you the light that distinguishes, the light that exalts, the light that honors, the light that sets apart. Receive it now. God way to access light is by purity. In Matthew 5, 8, it said, they that are pure in heart, they shall see God. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it said, come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. It said, they that bear the vessels of God, they must be holy. You cannot participate with the world and have a wisdom superior to the world. You know what the prince of this world does? He darkens understandings. In Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, he said, don't walk in the manner that the Gentiles walk. He said, the Gentiles, because of their flesh and lust, he said, they've had their understanding darkened, therefore they are separated from the commonwealth of Israel. But there are wise men who knows this principle. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, he said, Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defy himself with a portion of the king's feet. Daniel 1.20, the Bible said Daniel and his friends were ten times better than their peers. How did they access light? Through purity. In Genesis 39 verse 9, Joseph said, how can I do this evil and sin against God? And suddenly, in Genesis 41, the Bible spoke concerning Joseph. He said, by that wisdom, the king made him ruler over his substance to teach his senators wisdom. And he said, according to thy word, shall the nations be ruled. There is something purity does to your eyes that makes you access light. If you partner with the world and partner with the devil, the prince of this world darkens the eyes of men. That's why we can't tap into our inheritance. There is wisdom. There is prosperity. There is power. There is honor. There is glory. But the believer is still struggling because the understanding is darkened. As you walk out of this place, every sin that besets you, every iniquity that darkens you, the power to break off them. Receive them now. And I decree by the Holy Ghost the light that distinguishes. Receive the baptism of that light now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Ah, can we just lift our hands and be quiet for a moment? Just play only the keyboard. There's a baptism about to take place here now. Can we just close our eyes? When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what the glory He sheds on our way while we do His goodwill, He abides with us still and with all will trust and obey. Lift your hands toward heaven.
only the keyboard play now. Just surrender yourself to him in a moment. There is a glory that is about to descend on people. At least 24 of you will be overwhelmed by that weight. Just open your hands. Ushers, as that river flows, just help me bring those people here quickly. Let me touch them. There's a glory coming. 